Welcome to Talking with T.O.P. Podcast. Talk from a guy and his group of people from all walks of life. T.O.P. will be sharing knowledge and experiences and some great stories that might shed some insight into someone listening to help them with their own life. Don't miss out, as it should be pure entertainment with T.O.P. Welcome to Talking with T.O.P., my first um, guest Dear friend of mine, Eric Fleming, um, one of the first guys I met out here um, in Seattle um, 27 years ago. And uh, on and off, we've been, you know, really good friends um, throughout this 27 years. Obviously, you know, um, we had some um, distances because of I had kids, he has kids, you know, um, family um, commitments and things like that. But over the years, um, you know, this guy has known me probably the most in the 27 years I've been here, he's uh, he was in my wedding, um, met my family, which most of the people in Seattle have not um, have had the honor to do. That was an adventure. And um, so, with uh, further ado, I want to introduce Eric Fleming, and uh, he can tell you a little bit about himself. Oh, uh, thanks for having me, Chris. So, yeah, I've been here in the Seattle area. Chris showed up. Gosh, I just started my business. I was living with Pat Howell out on Little Bear Creek Road, and. The first time we met was it New Year's? Was yeah, that, that was New Year's. It was, was with it? a friend of ours, Aaron Jackson, right. kind of a mutual friend, but we didn't know each other. Yeah, and so Chris shows up, and it was pretty fun party, New Year's party, and it was a little tiny place, right? Yeah, um, out in the middle of the place, woods. Out in the middle of the woods. I mean, no dishwasher. It was you know the heating was wood stove or something like that. It was pretty rough, but it was fun and. You know, things got late and got got uh, funny because I think Pat was running around force feeding people dog biscuits. Is that yes, what it was? yes. I walked in the door and uh, there's another friend of ours that Eric has uh, been friends with and roommates with for a while, and uh, his name is Pat Howell and he looks like a Captain Caveman kind of, um, and he has a little bit of a temper. <laughs> and uh, the first thing I saw when I walked in, it was uh, this Pat Howell um, shoving dog biscuits down people's throats and i'm like uh that fucking shit ain't going on with me <laughs> i'm sure he tried well he, he was too preoccupied with other people and there was a lot of people there so luckily it didn't come to that and how long did it take us to recruit you for rugby i'm sure we recruited you that night no 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 so what actually happened was is um i was playing football on the street with um aaron jackson and dave jordan okay yeah and i actually tackled one of them and uh in the street and they're like Hey man, we don't play tackle here. They're like, you go, you gotta go and meet Eric and and Pat. They're they're the guys who play hit people. Yeah, right. And uh, little did I know that that was the same people that we went to the party with. Um, but yeah, so I called around and I was looking to play football here in um, Seattle. I wanted to play football because I loved it. Love to hit people. I love to tackle people. Uh, a little angry myself sometimes. Mm-hmm. And um, so I called one of the uh, Parks and Rec's department and uh, a guy by the name of Chuck DePew answered the phone. And uh, he told me about a football program, but he's like, have you ever tried rugby? I didn't know what rugby was. I'm, I'm from Wyoming. So I thought rugby was um, Aussie rules football, you know. That's all we saw on TV at the time, right? Yeah. So I had no idea. I had no clue what rugby was coming from Wyoming. So I'm like, all right, I'll show up and, and try it. Chuck was an old beach guy. Yeah. 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 So... Um, I pull up um, West Seattle, Dalridge Field, Centric Field. If you guys know what that is, it's hard packed clay. With these little pebbles that just get embedded in your knees and skin. It's terrible stuff. Yeah. So I pull up in my car and, and uh, we had a pretty good team at that time. Um, probably 10 or 11 Eagles on the team, which yeah. played for, represented the USA. And uh, Jimmy was playing, TR, Kingdom, Finau. There's a lot of them. Yeah, there was a lot of them. Right. And I show up and, you know, they're doing line-out drills and, you know. On a strip of grass that was, what, 15 feet wide and 30 feet long or something like that? Yeah. That's all the grass we had to train on. And uh, I sat in my car literally for 20 minutes. And just watching us? Just watching, figuring out if this was for me or not. And I'm like, you know what? What the hell? I'm here. I got I to try, try it. You know, I, I drove all the way here and uh, got out of my car and tried it and uh, became a passion of mine. And uh, I probably met, you know the greatest guys I could have ever met, you know, in my, in my life, you know, and really helped shape and transform me, 
um, here in Seattle, my, you know, my personal life, my business life, uh, my family life, everything. So these guys really mean a lot to me. Um, and it, it really is a family. Like my father-in-law says you can t count your best friends on, you know, on two hands and the ones that'll bury a body for you on one. And uh, so, you know, five of the 10 friends are all from rugby personally. Yeah. Um, you really, it's a, it's a community that embraces you and they got your back. I mean, you bleed from on the field, you bleed together on the field, you bleed together off the field, share your tragedy, tragedies and support each other. And, you know, everybody's worked for somehow Dick Smith, it feels like, right? Yeah, Dick it's Smith, TR, TR, Brucky. Yeah. Um, you know, someone, Forget, kind of, I mean, worked for you. Yeah. Some people worked for a you. Lot of, yeah. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's kind of a, a gypsy culture because you got all kinds of different um, people from all over the world. And, uh, but at the end of the day, no one's, you know, looking at you in any certain light, just getting what you're willing to give in life. Um, you could you be know. not working or you could be a lawyer or a doctor on the field. It doesn't matter off the field. It doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, we still have each other's back constantly, right? Totally. We try to take care. All, all you have to do is ask. I mean, so I, I, I give the example of, um, who was it? Uh, so I had a job in Perth, Australia. And I think I asked Peter if he knew if he knew anybody in Perth, and he was like, "Yeah, I got a guy I went to high school or college with, or something like that. I'll I'll connect the two of you." And so he just sent an email to the pair of us and just said, "You know, here's the intro. You guys take it from here." And the, the I can I'm, I'm embarrassed. I don't remember his name, but he's like, "Yeah, we, you know, he didn't even ask me. He's just like, just give me a holler when you show up. Here's my number." And uh, so then we went out, we stayed with Sugar in, um, in Eastern Australia, and then flew out to Western Australia, Perth, and uh, landed, sent him a text, called him. Uh, he got back to Australia, said, hey, I'm out golfing. Um, keys are on the map, go make yourself at home. Doesn't know me from Adam, right? Yeah. And we, you know, family took care of us for the first week or two. It was a small two bedroom home and we were packed in there, but you know, he's like, go and make yourself home and I'll see you later. And it was great I mean, to have that connection and people willingness. And, you know, obviously we, you know, we've done the same thing. We hosted the Kiwis yeah. for gosh, what was it? Four of them. Cause Pat and I, two dogs and four Kiwis in, yeah. that, in that place. For those of you who don't know, um, that's people from New Zealand. Uh, <laughs> I had to clarify. Yeah. Just to make sure for the, the non rugby people out there. But I guess we should, before we talk about that, we should back up and see how you got into your first match. How yes. long was that? How many practices did you have on your belt? Uh, three in the field? I, I made it to a Tuesday practice and a Thursday practice, and we played on Saturday against uh, a team called Marilomas. And we were playing at um, Interbay. Um, it, was, it was an old, just torn up field at the time, which is now a, a soccer field for SPU, I think. Yeah. Um, but anyways, you know, I show up, same thing, just nervous as hell, didn't know what the hell to expect. And, and uh, there, was a, there was a guy by the name of Jason Harris who kind of took me under his wing as well and talked to me. And, you know, I played sec second or third string. I can't remember what that time. Out on the wing, right? Yeah. And so, you know, they stuck me out on the wing, which is the farthest part away from everything, the action. And it's, <laughs> you're it's, the least amount, you're the yes. least risk to the team. Let's yes, that yes, way. yes. <laughs> And so um, they stuck me out there and, and uh, first ball, you know, it gets kicked towards my way, it goes out of bounds. And in rugby, you're, you know, that means it's our throw in, we get to throw it in for a line out. And coming back to this um, angry pack guy, um, highly tempered, he was, he was playing a hooker, which is um, position in rugby. And uh, he's looking at me, he's like, Give me the ball, give me the ball. And if you throw it in and it's past, what is it, five, five, five meters? meters. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a restart. It's a it's a restart of the ball. And I didn't know that. I didn't know the rules. So didn't I didn't know that you could do a quick throw on that sort of stuff. Yeah. So I did that and when I threw it into him, it restarted play and the the whole team just mugged him <laughs> and took the ball from him and they and they scored. Um, and he got up and was just so angry with me. And I was like, I had no idea, and you know, I'm totally sorry. But that was my kind of baptism by fire. Into, into Do you remember what he said to you? 
Yeah, he's like, don't you ever touch that fucking ball again. <laughs> and I was like, all right. I got it. Well done. Well done. So, yeah, so it was pretty funny. But, um, you know, and then after the game was over, um, that was the first time um, Beach had lost in to a – it was Old Puget Sound Beach who we played for. Um, had lost to a Canadian team in probably three years. Yeah. And uh, so at that time, we had a coach by the name of Carl Vandemar. And uh, South, South African. African, yeah, and you know everybody was fed up with him, and and uh, ended up quitting the team at that time. Did he quit after that? Yeah, match? he he didn't quit, but like Tr quit, retired. Jimmy yeah. Brigett, all those guys kind of just walked away from the team. Yeah. Big Jake, um, so it kind of left us holding the bag, um, you know, and having to travel to Canada every weekend. That was tough. The Fraser yeah. Valley. The second, yeah. the second team would go up to Fraser Valley and the first team would stay down here and play the local place. Yeah. Well, yeah. sometimes we would play two games up there. Sometimes, yeah. And uh, so we would travel with a band of gypsies between maybe 16 to 20 guys and having to play yeah. two matches up there. Yeah, in four different cars. Yeah. And, yeah. And trust me, that was baptism by fire. Was that uh, what you got? TLP. So was yeah, it, the, it was the, one of the first matches up in Canada. Right? Yeah, it was. It was the one that had the little portable showers in the in the trailer. I can't remember which. And where the feed was like they point to a bowl of spaghetti and say, "Yeah, a tub of spaghetti is like here's yeah. here's some food. You get one beer." Yeah. <laughs> and so when I finally learned a little bit more, and that was probably I think my third match. You know, I, my big thing is you know I have a wrestling and, and football and, and uh, you know street football and, and stuff like that background because i love to tackle i can tackle i'm not afraid to tackle people and uh get mix it up with bigger guys smaller guys doesn't really matter but I, I really i made like a series of i don't know seven or eight tackles on in you know round. in yeah. one phase just you know tackle somebody get up tackle get up tackle get up tackle and um we had a guy on the team by the name of rob day and uh he's like holy shit He's like, the little guy's got some Irish in him. He's tackles all plenty. <laughs> and um, that's where the name kind of stuck. And then we had another guy by the name of Pat Nolan. And his nickname was Patio Furniture. He was from Ireland. Yeah. And so, you know, he was a big six foot five, Second six round foot guy. Round. Six foot six guy. And, and just just the nicest guy Off in the world. The field. Yeah, yeah. Just kind of goofy. And, and he started saying it, you know, like it, like it was lucky charms. Yeah, he showed up training. TLP is in the house. Yeah. <laughs> and so ever since then, the name just kind of stuck. And that's the evolution of TLP. But what's funny in rugby is, um, you know, everybody kind of has a nickname um, one way or the other. If, it, if you stick around long enough and you maintain it, you, you're going you're gonna to earn a nickname somehow. It's either a badge of honor or a badge of shame. Yeah, one or the other. Yeah, and uh, but that's that's the great part, you know. No one gets upset about it, and we just kind of go with the punches and and roll with it like life. We do have a lot of fun ribbing each other. Yes, I mean, that's when we get together, making fun of each other is yes part of it. Yes, <laughs> part of the program. Yeah, the memories are are fantastic. So looking back, so it's funny. Like if you saw Eric now versus Eric then. Eric, at that time when I first met him, was like the surfer dude. He had like the blonde locks hair. Locks. Yeah, combed back, you know. Um, wasn't feathered, but wasn't yeah, far yeah, off. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was, he was a total surfer dude, you know, and super fast, um, great rugby player, could tackle. And um, so his nickname is E Flam. Um, should have been more, but. Right. Um, <laughs> In college, it was Flammer. Flammer? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so still so my college buddies from Columbia still call me Flamer. See, that never made it to. It didn't transition. Yeah, it didn't yeah. transition. So good or bad. Yeah, <laughs> right. So you know, but that's the thing with with um, with rugby is you know you, just the friendships and and the family you know you kind of generate you make even though you don't see them every day or or you know keep in contact the minute you do reach out to them it's like you've never missed a step. Yeah, missed a step. Right, you can be gone for five years and yeah. step into the pub and or step into someone's house and it's like you hadn't missed them at all yeah you pick up right where you left off yeah so eric's eric's um eric was a great player he played for the grizzlies he played um for the um was it loggers the loggers yeah 
Um, and then he was playing in, in the sevens um, national championships and uh, he suffered a devastating leg in injury. Um, Why don't you tell us about that? Yeah. So that, I think was 98 or 99. Does that sound about right? I think it was 97. Yeah. Could maybe, maybe, maybe. Yeah. Somewhere around. I remember the specific year. Yeah. But it was, it was pretty. Uh, so I stepped into playing sevens. I remember my first practice with beach. I had just come out of uh, college, Columbia, and I decided to spend the summer hiking, right? So while I was doing some things associated with fitness, I lost my aerobic fitness, and I show up to sevens practice right the practice before they head for nationals. So it's TR and Jim, Dave Bateman, and Finau, and uh, Bateman had played for what, he played for one of the other Ivy League schools. Is it Yale? He went to Yale. Yeah. Went to Yale. Dave Bateman. Yeah. And so he's like, oh, we're going to show this Columbia kid a thing or two, right? And so they put me right with the first team. And they were doing four and fours, just back and forth and back and forth, nonstop. And I was getting lightheaded and wanting to puke. And their TR's yelling at me. And, oh, man, it was uh, right into the fire. And I, I just, you know, I had to stop. I said, Uncle, I, you guys got me. It's fine. And they were just laughing, right? Because they were so fit, right? They're heading right, right to nationals. Yeah. And uh, so that was my introduction to beach. So uh, I felt really honored to be able to go to the national championships in following years. Uh, but again, all of those guys had left, right? So Finau was still there. Uh, I don't think King was playing anymore. Uh, no, Rian, Benzel. Yeah. Um, Siggy. Yeah. Um, so we all went off to uh, Philly. Yeah. Philly White Marsh is where the field was, yeah. right? Yeah. And I think it was the second match, first or second match. I can't remember. I think it was the third. That was the last match of the day. It could be. And, uh, you know, it was, uh, you know, it was a freak circumstance. Uh, ball squirted out of a, a ruck. And it was kind of, I think we're on maybe their 22. Mm-hmm. And I went to fly hack it, which is where you kind of basically kick it like soccer. It's on the ground. And you're just kind of kicking it forward and hoping that either you or somebody else will be able to dive on it. But after I, as I was kicking it, one of the other guys, I think he was one of their forwards, flanker or something like that. He was diving for it at the same time. So I'd already kicked the ball away and I was standing on my left foot and he couldn't stop and his shoulder just went right through my shin, basically. And you say that, you know, the reports from Siggy, I don't think you were there, but no, I wasn't. Siggy so, uh, said he just kind of rolled up on my on my leg. And I don't know. I didn't hear it. I was, but you said Siggy said it was pretty yeah, terrifying so, to hear. So to, to give you a, a um, better description of that, um, Eric at the time was probably Eric. What do you stand? How tall do you stand? I'm five eleven. So, so five eleven. Probably one ninety. I don't think you're even one ninety at that time. I think maybe one seventy five. <laughs> Come on, STR, STR says you know. What, what do you fucking weigh? Soaking wet, you know, 190 soaking wet. But yeah. um, I think he was like 175 because he was fast and, yeah. and he, he's, he's, you know, he's not super big. So, you know, he's, he's a flyer, like you said, flamer flyer, right? Um, and the guy who was going after the ball was probably six foot four, 230 and, and a big boy, you know, uh, Polynesian. And um, he dove for the ball and, and all you heard was, probably the biggest snap, um, you know, from what I'm being told is that everybody got pretty grossed out because it was a lo- one of the loudest snaps they've heard. And, it was and I only of- just heard this last night. I had no idea that the entire stadium could hear my legs snap. Yeah. It's it, crazy. To reference it, it kind of goes back to uh, Lawrence Taylor and Joe Theismann. Yeah. Um, basically. Although his was compound. Mine wasn't compound. Yeah. Right? Without the compound. Without the blood, basically. Yeah. yeah. But that's kind of the, the, the essence of the injury. Um, which kind of ended your rugby career, you yeah. know, your, your they, prime they, rugby career. They brought a stretcher onto the field, took me off, took me to the hospital. None, nobody could go with me, right? Because yeah. guys, they all still had rugby to yeah. play. Yeah. Uh, they had to finish the game. Yeah. Um, that had to be pretty tough to finish that game. I couldn't imagine having to walk back onto the field after you see something tragic like one of your mates. Yeah. yeah. That had to be tough. I've never really talked to like Finau or any of the other guys about that. Yeah. But I, you know, I was. They couldn't give me drugs, yeah, and because it wasn't life threatening. So I was in pretty good pain. I got there, I was pissed because they cut off my shorts and that sort of stuff, right? Yeah. But then they they took the X ray and they go, "Man, we have not seen a leg break this bad," and it was a spiral fracture on the on the tibia, and, and then the fibula obviously broke as well. So yeah, 
Yeah, but they patched me up, put me together. I'm, my sister called and I'm like, don't tell mom. She's like, how am I not going to tell mom, right? She has to come out here and, you know, fly your ass back. How is she not going to know? So, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was, uh, and then it was, a, I went from, I, I was 190, Chris, I'm telling you. <laughs> I went from a buck 90 to a buck 45 because all my weight was in my legs. Yeah. Really big legs. Yeah. And I just, they became pencil thin, they atrophied, right? Because I was, crutches and that sort of stuff and work luckily I had my own business and they would bring all of the work to the um to the house there where I could you know work remote and then I was tooling around Sean Penwell was working me at the time. I was yeah. tooling around in a wheelchair when I got to the office and it was about a year recovery and I came back. I had him take the screws out so I could play again. He, the doctor's like, you're gonna play again, aren't you? I'm like, yeah, probably and he goes, I'm gonna take these screws out so you don't mess yourself up even more. Yeah. But yeah, you know, I went back to the second team. It was fun. I couldn't, uh, what was weird is. You weren't a flyer anymore though. Very rarely was I was I caught. I think Duffin, there was that other kid that played for Orsu with the blonde hair. I don't remember. Anyways, like when we played loggers, was, we were all neck and neck. So it was, it was rare that I got caught. So now I was playing flanker and I wasn't fast. People were catching me. I was like, I'm gonna have to actually pass the ball. Yeah. So it was a, it was a change. Yeah, but uh, you know it was fun. After that, then I kind of you know I think I played for a year and recognized uh, my first game back. I broke my ankle and then played the whole rest of the game, broken an ankle, and then it sold out. So it was tough. You know, it's it's tough, and I'm sure a lot of ruggers recognize this when they're about to put out the pasture. Right, you got to hang up the boots. Yeah, it's really tough to not hang on and just keep playing. I don't know how Carpy did it right forever. Carpy. Yeah. How old was he when he was still playing? Do you know? Late 40s. Yeah. Probably, I think he broke his neck when he was 45, yeah. 46. Here we're talking about all these injuries. People are never going to want to send their kids to go play rugby with us, right? Yeah. Um, no, but when, you know, when you play rugby, it's just like any other sport. You know, I, I think it's it's probably the best sport I've ever played. Um, for sure. You know, just because of camaraderie. Um, people talk about, you know, the camaraderie in sports. And I've never experienced such great camaraderie, you know, with your opponents, with your current team. Um, you know, we go out there for, for 80 minutes and knock the shit out of each other and literally, you know, wanted to kill the other team. But then once, you know, once, as once, soon as the whistle goes, whistle blows, you're hugging, you're hugging your yeah, office, you know, you might trade jerseys, go have a beer, right? Yeah. And some of those guys that you had the heated, you know, and you get a fisticuffs yeah, on the field. They're your best friend. You could. And, and you know, they become really good friends of you and, and of the team and, and things like that. So yeah, that's one of the best things because a lot of times you see in sports where, you know, they're angry and they carry it on. Or, or it's, to me, it's kind of phony where they kind of grab each other's jersey and, you know, and basketball are now, and, you know, like, oh, you know. But it was like hockey and rugby are two different sports. We sort it out on the field. There's one ref. Right, and one ref has to control thirty players um, on a pitch. He doesn't see everything, and he doesn't see everything. So a lot of times, and in, in, you know the breakdowns and and there can know, be some piles going on. There's there's some punches going on, yeah. and when we play, we used to we used to call stamping, and, and you used to be able to we we play with metal they call spikes, stairmaster. Yeah, so we would call the stairmaster if someone was hands you know, on the ball, hands on or the ball, lying cheating, on the ball. Or, if we had that opportunity, you know, sorted we, just, him out. we said his number because uh, everybody has a one through 15 number on their back. So it was pretty. The next breakdown, you'd say, hey, you know, that number six, he needs, uh, he needs a lesson. Yeah. And so in rugby, there's, there's, there's two different um, types of people, right? There's forwards, um, which are the meatheads, you know, who kind of go in and clean everything up and are the enforcers on the field a little bit. And kind of like if you have American football, kind of like offensive linemen or defensive linemen and, and linebackers. And then you have um, the backs, which are more like um, tight ends, running backs and wide receivers. Those are the fast guys, the pretty guys. Yeah, they can like actually kick the ball. Yeah, they can kick the ball. And sometimes you know. they can catch it. Yeah. Um, so it's it's pretty funny. So a lot of those, you know, things fell down to, you know, the forwards having to go and sort it out because the backs never got dirty and Eric was back. Oh yeah. I, <laughs> I could finish a match with a clean shirt like the best of them. Yeah, so. There are there are pictures, right, where people just completely muddy and here's your front oh, yeah. half of the brand new person yeah. because he hasn't touched the ground. Yeah, we have guys, you know, walking off the field bloody, broken, 
Um, then the those backs, are the forwards in the back. The backs are combing their hair. Yeah, exactly. They still have, you know, their deodorant on and they smell pretty very good, you know. Smell pretty. Yeah. But that, that's the rugby life. And um, yeah, so I mean, I just to speak to that, right? I mean, Seattle was our biggest opponent. There was a rivalry there, right? Oh, yeah. And um, some of the best moments in rugby I had is going down to Grizzlies and playing with like um, Bushy and uh, what is it? Uh, Wicks. Yeah, Wixie. Yeah. Craig, the, Craig Wicks and Steve Bush. Yeah. And, you know, having that support, right? That, that, like, you know, as soon as you get in a top, you turn around, somebody's right there instantly, right? Yeah. So Beach was always known for having, not to put the forwards down, but we were known for our back line. And Seattle was known for the forwards. Yeah. So uh, just two different styles of rugby, right? Yeah. Uh, and so have that opportunity where you got the best of both and go down and play Grizzlies was a lot of fun. And that's kind of what happened. So it, as, as you speak to Eric now is, you know, we have Seattle's become kind of a powerhouse um, team in the nation. Um, once we joined forces, you know, between Seattle Rugby Club and Old Puget Sound Beach, um, they became the Saracens um, and became not the, Seattle. Yeah. And then and kind of put, yeah, kind of put Seattle on the map. Right. Um, we had, you know, some fantastic guys come here and uh, play for the club and coach and things like that. And now, you know, there's the Seawolves program and, and, you know, Seattle Rugby Club. Yeah. And Eric's part of um, the Eastside Lions. He's got three youngsters that are playing yeah. and um, that. Yeah. So why don't you tell me a little bit about that? Sure. And so your experiences with coaching. You know, I didn't get to I didn't get to see or even know of rugby union until I hit college. Prior to that, I mean, you could see Aussie rules on TV, and that looked interesting. But you never saw a rugby union. We didn't know what it was. But the sport is massively popular across the world, and so my first introduction was college roommate Mark Rathman. Right, had played for Liberty High School. They had a high school team, which is pretty rare back then, and so. You know, I played soccer growing up and it got too competitive. Parents got mental, yelling, screaming at the kids and the refs. And I was like, I'm out here. I'm, I'm select soccer. I'm having fun, but not with the parents. And so I just dropped and snowboarded. So then I got into rugby at Whitman College and the same type of experience. Um, two practices and they throw me into a game, right? On the weekend. And they put me in second row. I'm, <laughs> Jeez. at this time, I'm, I graduated. High school, I was 153 pounds, soaking wet downhill in a hurricane, right? Yeah. And they put me in second row. And so it's funny because after I broke my leg, I played, guess what? You played second row. Back to second row, right? Because I actually knew the position. They're like, you know, you're down a man or something like that. Has anybody played second row before? And I'm like, walk, I'm walking off the field, right? Yeah. Like, I don't want to call me out. Eric's played second row before. Yeah. Oh, I don't envy those poor folks that have to play in the second row, yeah. all the positions, right? So since then, um, I kind of took a long break and then had kids, right? And uh, so by the time I got, uh, Jerry was maybe six, my oldest, six, seven, eight years old, something like that. I think I, we were at we your house and I said, um, do you know anybody that um, is involved in youth rugby? And I think you introduced me, Bushy's brother. Um, what's his name? Um, Boydie. Boydie. You said Boydie's coaching Eastside Lions youth. I uh, you should check it out. And I think so. I, I think I ended up getting like Mark and Sharon Hill were the presidents of the club uh, at the time. And so we were practicing. They, they were practicing at uh, Green, not Green Lake. Um, what's the one in Redmond? Anyways, they're practicing. Grassland. Grassland. Practice Grassland. I show up. Sure enough, boy, he's out there coaching, and I kind of stand on the sideline. He looks over at me. He goes, you can't stand on the sideline. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, I remember you. Get out here and help me coach. So I get out there and help him coach, and guess was the last time I saw Boydie? That day. Wow. Never saw him again. Rest in peace, Boydie. Yeah, rest in peace. But I do remember that. He's like, yep, Eric's got this. Yeah. yeah. He's good man. Yeah, good man. And a tough competitor. Played in the centers mostly, didn't he? Yeah, he was he was hard. He was a hard man. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about your coaching philosophy when you coach these youngsters and how to develop them and shape them as, as not only players, but, you know, humans. Right. So it comes from, I want them to get the experience out of rugby that I had out of rugby. 
So, which is the friendships, the, um, just the way we treat other people. Um, it really comes through in rugby and, um, you have to train really hard, uh, to be successful and, um, you have to respect your teammates and your opposition and it's gotta be fun, right? So it needs to be all those things. It's not about the winning. Winning is nice. Winning is great. Everybody loves to win. Um, but it's more about how you work yourself to be a better rugby player, a better person. Yeah. So, so tell me this, um, I coached too. So I had, you know, I coached lacrosse for about 15 years and, uh, you know, I, I was the opposite. I was all about winning, um, you know, at the very beginning and that's, it was, it was easy cause that's what we did. We won. Um, we never really lost. And if we lost, it was very, very rare. Um, but I coached my daughter and I coached my daughter through her whole career, except for the last two years, I believe, um, two or three years in high school. Um, tell me, how was it coaching your kids? Because for me, um, it kind of made a divide between me and my daughter because I pushed so hard. Um, there was, there was the coach and there was the dad, right? And, um, you know, she would ask me, you know, after a game or after something and she'd ask me, you know, how did I do? And I would say, do you want to know from the coaching standpoint or from a father standpoint? And if she would, she would say, well, give me both. Right. And I would really critique her on the coaching side, you know, pretty hard. Um, but also then comfort her and give her the love on the father's side. Um, because that's just what I had to do as a coach. So tell me, how do you, how do you handle stuff like that? So I had a bit of experience with it because my dad was my soccer coach, right? For a decade, right? And they're always harder on their own kid, right? And um, also the kid knows what buttons to push for the dad. I mean, I got in trouble. So I pushed his buttons and then I got the result, right? Um, but coaching methodologies change over the years. And um, I'm the good cop you know stones the bad cop right on the field right we all play That's chris stone <laughs> chris stone so we're coaching u14s right now and we've coached u10s through u14s he's coached high school and, um so one thing we always do is <clears throat> we we don't discipline our own kids on the field so i'll look over at stone and say hey you need to sort jerry or jordy out whatever and he'll take care of it or i need to sort out jake um, so that's one thing is it's, you don't discipline your own kids cause it's tough and they will push your buttons. And, uh, so pretty much all the coaches have a kid in the program. It's pretty normal. Um, it's rare to see a coach that's, uh, doesn't have a kid in the program. And it's really commendable when they dedicate that much time and labor and they don't have a kid in the program. So, um, I've got three kids in the program. I got Julie's down in U10s. She's turning nine on Monday. I got Jordy, he's 13, playing in U14s. And I got Jerry, he's a freshman in high school. So, um, and I've, you know, talked to other coaches and they're like, coach your oldest kid because you only got so much time with them and then, then they're off. And I've got a couple of years with Jerry and um, I really love coaching the kids. It's, uh, it's, it's a passion for me, clearly, right? I mean, yeah. I'm, yeah. A, I'm a coach. I'm a board member, I'm on rugby law, and now now I'm a ref allocator, right? I also referee, so yeah. I'm like up to my eyes in rugby. And it's it's a lot of work, but I enjoy it. I I hope that the kids enjoy it. You never know, right? They'll they'll pitch a fit sometimes when dad pulls them out of the game, right? Um that's not dad that's not coach pulling them out of the game, that's dad pulling them out of the game to yeah. them. And that's their perspective. Yeah. Right? Exactly. So, or why didn't you select me to start? Yeah, that's hard. Because didn't show up to Thursday practice, Yeah, right? And usually, selection's done by two coaches, so you can blame by it. By committee. You can blame it on the other coach. It's yeah. not me that didn't start. It was Stone. Yeah. Right? So, um, tell me this. Do you have a different coaching philosophy for Julia versus Jordy and Jerry? Or girls in pitch? Girls versus boys? No. So, it's, it's co-ed from... Uh, <laughs> age five, they started age five up through 14 is all co-ed. Um, there are some girls teams, um, and we try to, as they get, they're really pushing to grow girls rugby. And so we will have one or two matches where it's girls U14 or girls U12s. 
in order to pull that off, we have to grab all the girls from all the teams. It's it's the numbers are that low. So it's 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 a shame that they can't get the numbers out to sustain that program. But we're trying. And uh, so but no, I mean, they everything's the same. They say the same ball sizes, same rules, everything, the girls and the boys. All the way up through international. I mean, there was talk years where they're going to give them a smaller ball, and the coach's like, "We don't want to play with a smaller ball. We want to play with the same ball the boys are playing with." What about philosophies? Like <laughs> philosophy? Philos- philosophies. I mean, obviously, you know, um, for me, like I coached both boys and girls um, in different sports, right? But my girls that I coached in the cross were probably the toughest girls that I've ever coached, and, and it, it, I mean, those set of girls were tougher than boys to me. Um, you know, I, I mean, they would show up and they would want to run lines with the high school boys and they're only in seventh and eighth grade um, and just driven, you know, and basically, and I could tell some girls, hey, run through that wall over there and they would try to run through the wall for me. And if I told that to some boys, they'd be like, coach, uh, we're going to get hurt. Um, we can't run through that wall. But the girls would like try to figure out how to run through that wall for me. Um, so is there something the boys, like that? The boys ask why. Yeah, yeah, right. there's a lot of the why. girls just do it. Yeah, the girls just do it, right? And, yeah. and that's that's what I really, you know, found out. You know, there's, you know, everybody kind of says that the girls are a little softer, a little gentler, but they're actually they're to me I, they were more dedicated. I've never I've never seen the girls any less dedicated. Yeah. Um, once they learn the techniques, right, they're going to hit the person just as hard as they can, right? Yeah. yeah. They want to. Yeah. Um, you get your range of players and and both genders that some of them are timid others are aggressive and you all sizes and skill sets right yeah some of them can't kick with their left foot or throw with their left hand or and you got to work on that right yeah and so and some of them most of the kids i mean we probably get a handful of kids that just don't gel well with because it's a it is a heavy contact sport yeah and especially the youth the biggest challenge the youth is the size disparity yeah right i mean you can have a kid that is 80 pounds playing against a kid that's 200 pounds yeah and it's uh it's a big size disparity but the kids that are 80 pounds are super quick and that kid that's 200 pounds at 12 years old is not going to be sprinting up and down the field generally yeah uh so there's that's the nice thing about the sport is there really is a position for everyone yeah. Um, but I don't coach the girls any differently than the boys. That's what I was trying to get at. Yeah. So like for me, so like one of my best experiences in coaching was, um, you know, I coached girls across and then, you know, I was playing rugby, you know, on the side and, um, and I was kind of past my prime in rugby too, but I always had a rugby ball in the car with me. And so, um, I would tell them about my friend Siggy who was dying of cancer and, you know, and they kind of knew who he was. He came out to a practice or two and I introduced rugby to them and uh, I brought a rugby ball and I said, all right, for the last, you know, 10 minutes of practice, we're going to do conditioning and we're going to play rugby. And everybody was like, oh, rugby, you know, because they had saw it. They had seen it on TV. They, they heard me talk about it a lot. And it was probably the funniest thing um, <clears throat> you could ever imagine. Um, I had some of these girls who were just wallflowers who didn't do anything on lacrosse and were scared of a lacrosse ball. But the minute we put a rugby ball in the air, I mean, these girls became, you know, O.J. Simpson. They became, you know, Marshawn Lynch, um, you know, tackling, running. And, and, yeah. And because lacrosse is kind of a contact sport. So I was, what I was trying to teach them was the contact, right? How to play defense, um, how to not be afraid to, to touch the other person on defense. And, and sure enough, when I implemented that, our defense went through the roof and, and, the other teams were scared of us because they were like, you were she's ready. touching me. She's touching me. You were ready for contact. Yeah. I'm looking for it. Yeah. And we, we, we brought contact to them. And that's why we were so dominant you know, in the early ages um, is because of the introduction to rugby. And, you know, one girl got hurt one, one day because she got ran over by another girl. But it wasn't serious. But, you know, parents were then like, oh, maybe we don't want them playing. And I'm like... Look, they're going to get hurt. They're, they're, they're kids, right? They're going to bounce back from it. And it wasn't a bad injury. She just had a little bit of a knock to the head. Yeah. Um, but this girl went on to go play. You know, she got a D1 scholarship and she played at um, Army. She played at West Point. She was a great athlete, right? Um, <clears throat> so, you know, the thing is, is how sport transitions to 
to life, right? And rugby can take you places. Yeah. It really can. I mean, I got a scholarship for rugby to go to Columbia. <clears throat> I got more than half of my uh, college paid for. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Academic sports scholarship. Yeah. So um, if you look for it, it's there. And yeah. whether you want to go to college or not, rugby can help you as well. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know. Like we talked earlier, we've all worked for each other at one point or another. Yeah. We've all helped each other. So if, if someone's, they can even just be related to the training. They don't have to be a starter, right? Yeah. They just want to be out on the club playing rugby and maybe they need a job. And it could be anywhere from swinging a hammer or you need an interview with Microsoft. Yeah. Right. It's, yeah. We, we just facilitate the connections. We're not going to, we're not going to do it for you, right? Yeah. You got to do it for yourself. Yeah. We're going to make the introduction and make sure it goes well. And, and just like my, you know, when I mentioned earlier, I went to Perth. If you've been vouched for, you know, by another teammate or even someone from the opposition, like, okay, he's a good guy, right? Yeah. And, uh, he's not, you're not going to let your other buddy down by messing up. If they recommend it. True. Right. Exactly. Because you, they depend on you. You depend on them. Yeah. So, so tell me what's one of your favorite rugby stories. Oh gosh. I was trying to think about this before. I'm not really sure. I really laugh every time I think about that when you, when I, you and I were trying to spit at each other <laughs> at the paintball tournament. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's just every time I think about it, I just laugh. So we had a uh, friend of ours, um, Roland Morgan and Richie Morgan, and their dad has a place over in Whidbey Island. Yeah. Just and, off the frame. Yeah, and we would, uh, they started a uh, annual paintball tournament over there. Old was, boys versus the current players. Yeah, we went over there and uh, it was it was a fall day, I think it was. And, yeah. You know, we, we drank a lot while we were over there and shooting paintball at each other. All day. From all day. 9 a.m. till 5 p.m. We're out running around shooting paintball. I don't think we ate the whole time while we were there. Maybe some flower seeds or something, but nothing major. And, um, Eric, did we do what was it? Marching soldiers? I can't remember what we called it. Civil War or something like that. Towards the end, yeah, right. We had to take the hopper off, and you can only load one bullet at a time. It, we, we, it was the ten pace. Yeah, you were marching back, towards each other. I mean, no, back to back. It was okay. back to back, and then you had to turn, turn around. Oh, it was kind of like a duel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so we ran out of paint pellets, and um, Eric was just so Eric was losing because he was so drunk. I was probably hopping on one foot too, right? Because he had shot me in the foot or something like that. Yeah, I, I can't remember that part, but I just remember you came running after me and you were, you said, okay, if I can't shoot you, I'm going to spit on you. And you had just spit hanging from your lip and it just chasing me all over. You were around spitting, a tree, right? you were, Yeah, you are spitting on yourself more than you were spitting on anything else. Right, because you were laughing, I was laughing, whole, all the guys were oh, busting up. Yeah, and, and I couldn't even run anymore. My stomach was hurting so hard from laughing at Eric, just being a complete clown. Yeah. And then we jump on, uh, we get rides to the ferry, and we're teasing Eric, and uh, we're telling him that he needs a return ticket to get on the ferry. Right. So he's, he's freaking out. And and trying to hide and skirt by the, the know, security, the, the didn't security, exist. yeah, that, that didn't exist. So then he's hiding. We're like we would go up to him on the boat, like Eric, they're coming for tickets. So he'd run in the bathroom and hide, and uh, it was just it was hilarious. That that was that was a great great time though. Hawaii trip was a blast. Oh, Hawaii! Had to be a little careful what goes on tour stays on tour. Yes, but yes, there was uh, yes. Talk about tackling. I mean, I I really enjoyed tackling. I, I figure I was a pretty good tackler. I was fullback and didn't matter. I didn't see size. It didn't didn't bother me how big the guy was coming at me because he. I was just going to get his legs. He was going down. Yeah. And I remember that big Islander dude. And it was it was probably three on one because nobody was, wanted to tackle. Junior all black. Nobody wanted to tackle. Him. Yeah. The, the 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 forwards are like, hey, can I punch your ticket? You go to movies? Can I punch yeah. your ticket? And yeah. He was just. You guys were like a sit. I'm yeah. like, I gotta tackle this guy again. Come on. Yeah. But I knew he wasn't gonna pass the ball. He tried to run over me, right? Yeah. That's yeah. a three on one. Yeah. All you had to do is pass the ball and then it's gone. Yeah. And he came right at me. And I put but him we, in. Were there, we were there after you tackled him. Because <laughs> <laughs> we ended up Eric, we, we ended up beating twice. We beat them twice and won the tournament. Yeah. So, you know, we did something right. We did do something right. So. Collectively we won. Yeah. But uh so yeah, I broke that blood vessel on my tackling him. Yeah. Right? Broke the blood vessel on my bicep. Yeah, whole thing went black and blue and puffed up. And yeah. Then we played the Aussie team afterwards, and I got bowed. Yeah. And I didn't know which way we were going. Were you on the sideline? Were you the one I was asking? Or no, maybe it was no. Sitting? I was, was sitting. We all, 
No, Sid wasn't there. Um, we, we only went with like 17 players. I was asking somebody on the sideline what the score was. I just told you, quit asking me. Yeah. And then later that night, with TRs hitting me in the head. Yeah. Right? After I'm concussed. Yeah. I was clearly concussed. Yeah. So I couldn't drink it all that night. He kind of had to babysit me a little bit. TRs smacking me in the head. I'm like, dude, stay off my head, dude. Yeah. Obviously, concussions weren't a, a big known thing at that time. Um, you know, otherwise we wouldn't have been <laughs> smacking him in the head. Yeah. Stuff yeah. like that. But yeah, I mean, and you know, that trip was amazing. Uh, the moose head that Peter grabbed. Yeah. Oh, Eric tried um, driving a bus that, that <laughs> I tried turned. to steal the tour bus <laughs> yeah. from the, the <coughs> we, SeaWorld. We went to SeaWorld. Right? Yeah. We were at an award ceremony. Couldn't get the parking brake off. It was good. That I yeah. Get the parking brake off. Yeah. But yeah, that was, that was a crazy time. And that was in 95, 96, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, we were all young and we had a great time. We flew over there and, and uh, had no expectations of anything. Right. And ended up winning the tournament. <clears throat> I think it really brought our team closest together. Um, and, and just helped, you know, keep our club going because yeah. our club was in peril at that time. We were hurting. Um, we were hurting. Numbers, we were hurting for numbers, money. Yeah, it was everything. I mean, everything we could do uh, just to try to keep the club up and running. Still practicing on a strip of grass at Delray. Right? Yeah. It was, it was tough. Yeah, and, and we just joined the USA Super League, so it was the epitome of the professional league in the U.S., the star of professionalism. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, you had the Aspens of the world, the Belmont Shores, the um, Ombacks, um, you know, the old blues of New York, the old blue of, of, Cal of California. And all these guys had, you know, they were sprinkled in with, you know, players from New Zealand, Australia, USA, you know, Ireland. <clears throat> and it was us. <laughs> we had the club rugby team with guys that played for two years. Yeah. Right. And, and we were playing against them. And, but, you know, we managed to keep the club up and running yeah. and, and, and functioning and, and keeping rugby alive here. Um, for beach which then grew and got better and better and better each year for that club for for our club right um so we were kind of the the whipping you know whipping kids that are in you the know, super league for sure for this yeah for the super league and i've been, been agreed and and then we finally started winning right yeah and then the super league went defunct and um that's when i think seattle and uh beach started merging yeah, together seattle, towards the end of the USA yeah. Super League. Yeah. And um, yeah, it grew from there. And and, uh, and that's kind of when I was kind of raising kids, <laughs> right? So Me I too. Stepped away from the club for a bit. Yeah. 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 And, but you know, that's, that's what happens. You know, people do that. They, they have to find their life, right? I mean, rugby's not our job. Hang on so, boots. Yeah. But we always come back to it, right? Yeah. At yeah. some point. Yeah. yeah. So it's really fun to see professional rugby take off right now oh for sure i i wasn't sure i'd ever see it yeah right and you know the way i look at it is you know all of us you know who who did it early seattle beach valley everybody right we were all kind of the the Lay bricks and mortar yeah. of of laying this groundwork you said axemen are still around yeah right? for for the sea wolves that are here now right um <clears throat> so you know i always look back on that and, and relish the experiences you know i had in rugby and, and i've had many many knee surgeries and i gotta have i gotta have a knee replacement and uh everybody says well why did you do that to your body and i'm just like because i you know i loved it right i wouldn't trade any of the injuries i had um for for it right and so it's 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 quite an amazing sport and you know unless you've played it and lived it it's hard to understand. It's hard to digest, right? Some people look at you and go, "You're crazy." You're crazy. You think, I literally think you're crazy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But you know, I, I have a friend of mine who who lives in um, Idaho, and uh, he, he literally snapped his leg, I, worse than you. And uh, he was he was given the decision of um, be kind of halfway crippled or or cut it off. He cut it off. And he told me the other night that if you have to do a full knee, you might consider just cutting it off. Yeah, I mean, my knee is really bad, and and uh, you know, it's crazy. Thank yeah, you. it's crazy. But you know, the quality of life now is 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 what you're looking for, right? The quality of life yeah. now that you get 
in your twilight ages. You want to be able you don't to. Have to deal with <laughs> yeah. And so it's not like you're going to be playing first team this weekend. So, yeah, exactly. Right? Exactly. Yeah. I'm <laughs> but you that. are going to potentially lose the ability to run, which is a pretty big decision, right? Yeah, and, and so, I already have. I have. I have. You know, I haven't been able. You to can't run. run. No, I can't run. I haven't. You know, I've been pretty screwed up. I'm trying to figure out what I would do if I can't run. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, that's um, the one thing. I mean, I admire from you. I mean, you came back from this leg injury, and, and you're out running fifty milers. You know. Yeah. Um. You know, I don't know how you do it. It's a lot of a lot of work. It's a lot of dedication, right? Yeah. So um, the family's been very gracious with my long runs on the weekend. So, and it was you know it was that you know Siggy passing away that got me off the couch. Yeah. Right. When we first did that lava man, which was one of Sig's favorite, right? Yeah. Um, having getting to join you guys at that uh, lava man. When was it? What year that was? Uh, I don't know. It was 2015 or 16. Or? I think Siggy passed away five or six years ago. So something like that. Yeah. yeah. Somewhere in there. It was good. There was a group of 15 or 18 of us, maybe yeah. a few more that went out there. Yeah. And uh, man, that was, I was in a lot of pain. I wasn't well trained. And um, you did it the year before. Yeah. And so you were there just to instigate trouble. Yeah. I was a spectator the second year. The first year I did it. Um, I just had um, ACL reconstructive knee surgery, and I was basically six and a half months out of surgery. And Siggy's uh, like, "Look, you know, I'm dying of cancer. I don't care if you just had your knee fixed or not. You're, Get your you're, ass on the plane. You're going, you know." And so, you know, I, I was planning on going anyway. So, um, I had coached a lacrosse game um, that Thursday, and I hopped on a plane. I did the red eye. And uh, is that when you went to the wrong airport? <laughs> well, so. <laughs> I booked my flight. I wasn't even thinking. Um, so it's in Kona. So I, I you flew to Hilo. Yeah, Hilo? I flew uh, on the to Hilo. Right. Yeah. But we had a connecting flight, so this is the funny part. So when I we had a connecting flight in um, Maui, and uh, there's a bunch of the boys um, from the rugby that were going over there, and they're like, "Where are you going?" And I'm like, "I'm going to Hilo." And they're like, "Dummy, you're supposed to be in Kona." <laughs> So I call Siggy from, you know, I'm like, dude, I go, you're going to have to come pick me up. He goes, do you know how far that is? I go, no, it's just a valley. It can't be that far, right? No, it's not. He's like, it's two and a half hours. Yeah. And it's on a windy yeah. road, it's, not traveled. Yeah. And so anyways, I, I somehow finagled and got my ticket switched from Hilo to um, Kona, landed. And uh, I was supposed to reserve a bike. I didn't reserve a bike. Um you know, I didn't really train to swim. Um, I didn't do any training, let's just be honest. And because, um, yeah, you know, I was coming out of rehab, so the only thing I was really good at was riding a bike because I rode a bike all the time, you know, rehabbing my knee. <clears throat> so we get there, and, and Sig is just driven to make me do this. So He's a hard man. We found the last bike on the island, and it just managed to fit me. And it was a triathlon did it, bike. Did it have a basket on no, it was a it was a tri bike. It was, it was a tri bike, you know, and I'd never been on a tri bike before. Yeah. Um, for those of you, you know, the handlebars are you know kind of different. And Picture Chris in the uh, with the little slimmed uh, helmet that comes to a point in the back. Yeah, it's a tri bike, and I didn't bring any gear to run in or swim in, so I. I Man, you were I, just a mess. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, Siggy gave me a pair of shorts, you know, tri shorts. Yeah, you know, with the padded seat in them. Uh huh. You and, know what uh, those were next to, right? What's that? His, those are his shorts. Oh, yeah, they were his shorts. Uh -huh. Yeah. So Did you wash them before he gave them to I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> we were going to be in the water anyways. Right. So, um, yeah, so we all got together. and It was Chris Stone's first time doing it as well. And he, he was a little nervous. We were both nervous. So the night before, um, we all went out and had beers. Um, and me and Stoney didn't drink. We're like, fuck this. We're probably going to die tomorrow. Yeah. Because it was a mile swim, um, fifty bike or twenty five bike, twenty five bike, and, and then a six mile run or something. Yeah, ten like k. Yeah, and, and um, I think we're so we're Olympic mostly worried about this or Olympic triathlon. <clears throat> and so there was uh, a bunch of us, and we're all standing together, and you know they let us go all at one time. Stone looks at me, and he's like, "I'll follow you on the swim. You follow me in case we need each other." We're like, oh, rescue in case yeah. you need a rescue. Yeah. So we go and, and uh, we're going pretty good. And then all of a sudden we get, we get disconnected. Right. Um, Cause they released the women behind us. 
and the women just swim right over the top. Right over. If you're anywhere just, near the yeah, turns, they're yeah. right over. They don't care. Yeah. You're in the way, dude. Yeah. yeah. So we, you know, I, I ended up just standing out there waiting for those girls to go by me so I could finish my swim because I probably had like 15 of them over the top of me. And then I caught my groove and I was swimming and was making the last turn in. And uh, all of a sudden I hear this this splash in the water. And, mate, mate. And I'm like, you know, who's fucking calling me? And uh, all of a sudden I popped my head up because I was just kind of looking at the sea floor, right? And I was seeing everything was beautiful out there. Watching turtles. <laughs> Watching turtles and stuff. And uh, this guy paddleboard looks at me and he's like, mate. He goes, are you in the race? I go, yeah, I got a swim cap on, right? And he's like, are you swimming to Australia? I go, no, why? He goes, the finish line is over there. And I, was, I swam about, you know, I don't know, thousand meters off course, right? And uh, so I had to turn around and swim back the other way. And so that was that was the fabulous start of my uh, triathlon career. And then right off the bat. Yeah. And then I, I get out of the water there and, you know, I, I, I didn't have any clip on. So it was basket baskets, right? Yeah. So I'm trying to get my feet in the baskets and I, I didn't ride this bike yet. So I hadn't adjusted the baskets for my feet and they were so much smaller, right? You couldn't get your feet. In. I couldn't get my feet in. So I had to stop and, you know, adjust the baskets and then I get going and I'm getting out on the road and it was geared different, right? And the wind, headwind is coming. You it know, gets really windy on yeah, that. Yeah, I got on that windy. And so the, the bike starts jerking on me, right? <clears throat> so... I went off the side of the road and it's you, you all rode off the lava, road. lava rock, right? And yes. I'm on this small tri bike with these, you know, little tires and the aluminum rims. It's built for speed, right? And everybody's screaming at me, get off there. You're going to pop those tires. <laughs> so I'm like, I come back, you know, coming back and I revert back to like childhood, right? Because it's, How to ride a bike. there's a little lip, right? Going from getting uh, off the uh, road to back on the road. You had bunny hop it. So I had bunny hopped it. But then I got going and I flew, you know? Yeah. Flying, I passed a bunch of people because everybody's screaming, "On your left, on your left!" And that's how I got off the side of the road, right? Because I couldn't get my bike going at first. Um, but once I got it going, I was cruising, made up a lot of time. How was that run? The run was brutal, brutal, right? Brutal. Because um, I hadn't ran, you know, forever. Because how much had, of it did you walk? I, I walked around run halfway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I had a, there was a guy, uh, Bones. Bones' tires blew up, and so they were. He was uh, he was doing it as a uh, as a shared event with another guy, Jeff Walker. Yeah, and Bones never made it back. So Jeff Walker see me come in, and he's like, "Did you see Bones?" And I go, yeah, "He's out there like, walking his bike." I go, "No, I didn't." I go, "Well, we heard his, his tires blew because Bones took his own bike over there." Right? Okay, yeah, <clears throat> and uh, yeah, his tires blew up. So Jeff's like, I'll just run with you. So we ran and it was hot and it was like 85, 86 degrees. And, you know, my legs, my legs were spent from the bike because I was like going to town. Right? Yeah. And so I was pretty jelly. You did jelly. it all out on the, on yeah. the bike, right? I was now pretty jelly. Yeah. But uh, now you yeah. got to walk. And the first thing you have to do is run across lava rock after you get off the bike, right? Yeah. They run you across lava rock. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I remember the same thing by the time because I, I trained, but all my training was like in an indoor pool on a on a um, on a stationary bike on a treadmill. I did nothing outside, right? And yeah. I had similar experience to you on the swim. It was terrible, and then, but then when you got that run, you're toast, right? Because yeah. you haven't trained. You yeah. basically have not trained well for it. Yeah, and it eats you a lot. I wanted to die on every minute. I like. I get on the swim. I get partway through. And I'm like, oh my god, what have I got myself into? And then I finish that. I get on the bike. I'm like, oh my god, what have I got myself into? Yeah. And then you hit the run. You're, just, you're toast, right? Yeah. The yeah. grandma, the grandmas are running past you. Yeah. They really are. Yeah. Exactly. And that's exactly what that's happened. the experience. Yeah. And then at the end, you run through sand. Yeah. Right. The last. What is it? This is like half mile or yeah. something like that. They, yeah. You're running in sand. Yeah. And it's not firm sand either. No. It's uh, it's crazy, it was, but it's nice to have you know beers where you're right at the finish line. Right? Yeah, yeah. Well, as a matter of fact, I mean, the first one we did, you know, so there was a guy named Albert and um, Tim Taylor, and they're they're they were Swick Siggy's friends. They, they swam with them in college, and they do triathlons all the time. And so they they had told Stone that um, Chris Stone, hey, we'll have a beer for you as you round the turn, you know, on the on your leg coming in on the last leg. So you have to chug a beer. So sure enough, you know. Stoney hits the bar, chugs a beer, finishes it, and runs in. But good form. <laughs> yeah, it was it was good on him. And I'm just, sure it was not sitting well with him, but he did it. Yeah, yeah. 
And then, so I started tradition, tradition there that year. Um, I went and bought a hundred shots after, after the, uh, after the race was completed. And, um, we, we drank them all. We yeah. met, we met people, we had friends and, and then we had had that shirt on. It was, um, it says, uh, on the back, it showed the, the islands and it said Kona or Siggy race or something like that. And on the back, it said, I love the smell of chemo in the morning. <clears throat> and so we had a ton of people, um, that were doing it for cancer people as well, yeah. you know, and, um, so ton of people wanted these t-shirts that Siggy had made. And so we, we'd become friends with them and, and just had a great time. It was a great experience. Um, it started off a little rough, but you know, with the different flights and not having the gear, but you know, I made it survive. And it was actually pretty, pretty spiritual in, in the end, right? Um, doing it with my buddy who's dying and, and my friends and, and having a great time and, and doing probably the, it was the last activity, a major activity he did before he passed. So, yeah. It was fun. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, TSOP is, uh, uh, a slight modification to your nickname. Do you want to explain how the S got introduced? Um, so we were playing, I think it was old blue, of uh, California. Yeah. And it's either old blue or all back. I can't remember, but, um, there's a guy by the name of Bill Liversey, um, and TR, we were in this bar called, um, up on Queen Anne. What was that bar up on Queen Anne? We just played. The Pegasus? There. No. A different one. Yeah. Anyways, we're at this bar and, and I'd had a few to drink and, uh, the boys were boastful. Yeah. They, 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 they were talking a little bit. So I just said, fuck you guys. You know, I'm not scared of you guys. Let's go outside and fucking mix it up. We'll you know? sort it just, out. Yeah. It's just cause you guys are bigger than me. doesn't mean, you know, you're going to beat my ass and by any means. Right. And, uh, so some jawing was going back and forth and then someone comes over and says, Hey, T.O.P., will you calm down? You're starting to sound like T.S.O.P., talk shit plenty. And so that's how the name, so, you know, I got, I got different variations of it. So, you know, talk shit plenty and, and T.O.P., tackles old plenty. So there's a lot of different variations to the name, but that's where it all started was that night. And, and so it kind of stuck from there. And you also gave angry Cheater Pat his nickname. I did. Right. I, I did. Poker, poker my house, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So we have another. He friend. wanted to kill you. Oh my gosh! <laughs> so funny. Yeah, I've been chased around a tree by Eric trying to spit on me. I've been and I got chased around a dinner dinner table and through the kitchen. Someone trying to kill me by angry by angry cheater Pat. So funny because we were playing poker and, and uh, he started cheating. Clearly, clearly cheating because yeah. he doesn't like to lose. No one likes to lose. And so I caught him cheating, and I'm like, "Hey, cheater Pat," he's like. Don't call me that GOP. Don't call me Cheater Pat. And I'm like, okay, Cheater Pat. <laughs> so I just kept calling him Cheater Pat, you know, Cheater Pat, Cheater Pat. And uh, all of a sudden he, he goes, fucker, I'm going to kick your ass. Blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, angry Cheater Pat. And then he just <laughs> he lost, lost it. <laughs> I, have a, I don't know if he did or not, but like, I have this vision of him jumping across the table. He, he did. Face. He did. He did. I backed into the kitchen, <laughs> running around the kitchen, running around the dining room table. I mean, coins are everywhere. Oh, yeah. Cards are everywhere. I mean, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. He wanted a piece of it. Oh, yeah. He wanted to kill me. And I was, I was the <laughs> same way. The whole time. I was laughing the whole time. And I just kept calling him Angry Cheater Pat, and he couldn't catch me. <laughs> so, you know, it's, I had that one, and I had, you know, Eric trying to spit on me, running around a tree trying to spit on me. So, the two, uh, the two roommates, you know, both trying to catch me and never caught me. Yeah. So yeah, you're too slippery. You're too small. <laughs> right? Yeah. But just great times, you know, hanging out with yeah. these guys. And I've had so many memories, you know, that go beyond that, you know, We've been, um, it's all the, you showed up at the birth of Jerry, right? You remember what you said? Yeah. No, I don't remember. Uh, I don't remember. So first of all, you, you had a, uh, you had, a, you got a doctor's mask, right? Yeah. You show up, um, uh, post birth, thankfully. And I can't remember what you said, but my mom was in the room and it was completely inappropriate. Yeah. Right? And Jackie just put her head in her hands. And, but they're also very typical, right? Yeah. I remember you, were you, were you late to our wedding? Yeah. 
Yeah, I think yeah. I remember. Uh, Tanit's standing next to me. I'm like, like this. And here comes Chris and Jackie through yeah. the window running across the back. Yeah, yeah, we were late. Yeah. Yeah, yeah good. We couldn't find parking. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. And then you, you as, as a matter of fact, this guy was in my wedding, stood up in my wedding, and uh, that was quite uh, a shit show. Yeah, um, I got married in Vegas and uh, just had a great time. So I remember forty ounces in the in the limousine. Yeah, so, of all things. Yeah, we got married at the Little Chapel of the West in Vegas, and straight away it was like a ten minute ceremony. But we had all these people there, right? And uh, it was free. It was free open bar we had, so a lot of people showed up that didn't RSVP. Um, typical uh, Mexican style. So and all your relatives. Were oh yeah. Nuts. I mean, there was a queue at the bar. Yeah. And yeah. so we get done and, and the wedding party, we had a limo and everybody jumps in the limo afterwards. And, and I had 40s for us all waiting in old English 40s and had a bottle of malt liquor and bottle of Jägermeister. Probably. And uh, we drove around the city, you know, getting crazy. Everybody's at the dinner waiting for us and we show up, you know, already half wow. lit, you know. And do we do we go to your parents' house? After the wedding, yeah, because we yeah, got because we got kicked out. We got kicked out of the reception. Anytime I had to go to the bathroom, your dad would grab me by the shirt collar and say, "Oh, you're having tequila." Yeah, <laughs> every single time. Yeah, was yeah. there a pool out back too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're all sitting back, back by the pool. And we have to pass by the bar. Yeah. to get to the restroom. Yep. Yeah, tequila shot. Yeah, yeah, it was crazy. That was my dad. Yeah, so you got to meet, you know, most of my family. I think the only one you didn't meet was one of my brothers, but you met everybody else. Yeah. A lot of aunts and uncles that like i said no one you know here has really met so you got the whole flavor of home. we like to say the whole inch a lot yeah that's know? right so it was good times and you know we continue to still have good times and that's 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 the whole thing and premise of life is um and the premise of this podcast is just to talk about you know the experiences we had you know good times we had and, and i just want to say thanks for being a good friend of mine you know you Anthony, and and your kids um you know you guys really mean a lot to me in my life and and i, I just want to say thank you thanks for being on the first podcast yeah i'm honored to be on it you know likewise you and your family we feel like you know we didn't grow up with you because we missed the whole wyoming experience but yeah we hear we hear uh tidbits yeah that's a whole nother shit show yeah <laughs> well we'll someone will have to you have to invite somebody later on to yeah. cover that portion of your life but uh we've been uh, grateful to be part of your life as well and your family cameron jackie wonderful right yeah it's been a great time and, and it, it doesn't seem like it's been you know 27 years no, but I but mean, it, it was yesterday yeah right? yeah clearly yesterday. yeah we still got the mind of an 18 year old, I think. And what's great now is that our memory is not so great. So we can retell these stories and it's like, we've never heard them again. Yeah. It's like reliving, obviously, you know, relive the past is a yeah. blast. But our wives can retell the stories better oh, they've heard probably it. than we can. They've heard it so many times yeah. right now. Yeah. Yeah. But it's always good. You know, that's the thing is about making new ones. And like I said, again, thanks for being on the first podcast and uh, we're going to wrap it up from here. and. Next week, or the, in the coming podcast, I think I'm going to have a friend by a friend of mine by the name of uh, Steve Guggenheimer um, coming up in two weeks, and uh, he'll be able to share some more experiences of us together. But thanks everybody for tuning in, and uh, look forward to more podcasts. And do you want to say anything about your work, real quick? Um, you know, I work for Perfect Image. Where, gosh, it's been uh, 27 years as well at Perfect Image, so scanning and data entry company. So. If you guys have documents you need uh, archived or you don't have access to your HR records, give us a holler. Perfect. Yeah, thanks for the plug. Yeah, yeah. Website, anything like yeah, that? Yeah, www.pimage.com. So, and eastsidelionsrugby.com if you want to get your kids out to play some rugby. We'd love to have them. Sounds so, great. Thanks for having me, Chris. I love you. Cheers, man. I love you too, man. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.